0: on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 119 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I'm Anthony. And I am Michael. And we're going to drink some beer tonight. Dang right we are. Because that's what we do. We drink beer, and it's good beer, and the lockout, baseball lockout is over, so baseball's going to start back in April. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I was actually legitimately concerned about that a little bit. Because the two
1: sides were so far apart.
0: Yes. I don't know if you remember this, but it was the 90... It was the last time the Braves won the World Series was like a major lockout like this happened. And the last time it like a few people played. But I mean, I remember going to a Braves game in 1996 after they won the World Series. And I paid two dollars for the ticket. And this was in Fulton County Stadium. And I sat in the upper deck and it was me and my cousin. We went to the game and the stadium was so empty that we walked down to the seats behind the home dugout and sat there and watched the game. <laughs> I don't remember that, but that's... Um, you were like three, so of course not. In 96,
1: not. I was six. let Let's Okay, chill. six.
0: <laughs> you were 16, 15? Uh, 96, no,
1: I would have been 14. 14, yeah, 6-1, doesn't matter. Um, yeah, that's right. It doesn't matter because the lockout's over. We'll have baseball this year. Um, Woohoo! And you know what you can do at baseball, the games? Drink beer, drink beer, which is what we're gonna do tonight. Um, <laughs> is what we're gonna do tonight? What beer you got? So tonight I have from the Rocky Mountain Outlaw Brewing Company, based in um, Denver, Colorado. Uh
0: huh.
1: Actually, this says this is canned by Tavoli Brewing Company.
0: Dude, beer drop needs to get their junk together. They're, it's, they're mixing it, up everything. Dude, it's
1: hard to keep up. Anyway, I have the Mile High <laughs> Light beer from. Outlaw or Tavoli, I don't know which one it is.
0: Um, okay, so I'm just gonna say if it came from Colorado and it's called Mile High. Never mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you think they were high when they made it, or do you think it's I mean, a it, cheap it, knockoff? It could off, be weed beer. It
0: could be weed beer. Be wee You're beer. not bad.
1: <laughs> not wrong. Um, Four point two ABV and Outlaw. It's I guess it's Outlaw because that's the name of the website. Outlaw beer. Um, has the calorie count and the carb count on here because it is a light beer, um, which I don't really they're, care for. They're worried about that in Colorado. so Yeah, apparently so. So uh, <laughs> let's see here. Um, not a whole lot going on on the website uh, other than it's 4.2 ABV, 110 calories, and three carbs per can. So um, if you care about that information, which I don't, um, but that's what I'm Maybe drinking tonight, you. the Outlaw Mile High Light Beer. Um, it's got a moose on the can. That's pretty cool. That is cool. Um, but looks kind of like a run-of-the-mill light beer. Um, I'm hoping it's not Calic 2.0. <laughs> we, keep, we keep referencing Calic, and it's not a... Uh, if you're a new listener, don't ever go by Calic. It's terrible. <laughs> if you're a new listener, we've probably mentioned Calic since you've started listening. This is true, yes. So anyway, but... That's what I'm drinking, Outlaw Mile High Light Beer from Denver,
0: Colorado. What you drinking? Tonight, I got, so our buddy uh, Chuck, C. Hardwick 51 on the Instagram, he's always posting Oyster City, and I was at the store, and I found this Oyster City Brew, um, Oyster City Brewing from Apalachicola, Florida. This is the Raspberry Hibiscus Beeliner Weiss. And I'm hoping this one is very similar to the Goat uh, Goat Island Blood Orange that I had. Um, I like how they spelled raspberry. They literally spelled it eerie raspberry. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So, beeliner. Liner, uh, all natural flavors. It comes in at 4.7 ABV. Uh, and there, I like their description. It says, "Think of a hot July fishing venture, reeling in vermilion snapper all day. This is what this beer was built for." a perfect balance of fruit forward and refreshingly tart so I'm kind of excited I think this one's going to be good I hope it's as good as the blood orange cell
1: well there's only one way to find out and that's to crack these things open and pour them up let's do it here we go
0: Three, two, one. crack
1: that was a good one
0: that was a good one this thing smells good Ooh, it's the same color. I like where this is going. Um, you got basic beer 2.0 over there?
1: I mean, look how pale yeah. this thing is. Yeah, you do. Uh, I'm not sure about this. I do have, um, I'll crack it open after I finish this because I have a feeling I'm not going to feel this at all. Um, but I've got another beer up here with me actually it's not a beer but it's a cider and it's one of my favorites but i'll Look uh I'll talk about that when Look I crack it open. That. It looks pretty good it looks amazing What is that raspberry yeah it's no it's raspberry that's what I said raspberry <laughs> hibiscus that's the thing that scared that not scares
0: me but aren't I, isn't that a flower I don't know sure it smells good I know that. You know what's funny. I was thinking this the other day. I used to make fun of people who drank beer like this, and now I'm out. Now I'm over here enjoying it and loving it. Now you,
1: it. now you are the guy who drinks <laughs> beer like that. Mine just smells like a regular basic beer. beer.
0: Basic beer. Um,
1: I don't really. Dude, that high. looks.
0: That looks like Michelob Ultra. It. Not gonna lie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little concerned about this. I'm about to have to talk to the people at Beer Drop and be like, "Hey." Look! <laughs> Don't send me this stuff again. <laughs> I'd like to negative rate this one. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's turn them up. Let's d- and see what we got. Up. Go for it.
0: Mm. That is refreshingly tart. Not going to lie. I'm gonna go back in here and look. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I'm not gonna waste mine because I don't waste beer, but yeah. um, I'm gonna do something we've never done on the Beers and Bible podcast. Are you? Going to, is this gonna get
0: one Luther? It's gonna get less than two Luther's. Oh gosh! <laughs> I actually feel bad for you now.
1: It's just not good. It's not good. Like, so I talked a couple of weeks ago. I'm I'm in a bowling league on Mondays. I bowl with my dad, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, we hang out, we drink, we drink beer, we bowl, and we talk. And it's like it's just me and him and, and one of his friends. <laughs> yep. And you know, we just we just hang out and chill. But we usually we usually get beer, and it's usually just Budweiser because that's mm-hmm. I mean bowling alley bowling alleys don't have. Craft a bunch of craft beer or whatever. It's Um, true. This is worse than Budweiser. (laughs) In Outlaw, it is definitely you this time. Like, like we always say, it's not me, it's it's you. (laughs) I'm sorry. This is not good beer. This is. I mean, we made it 119 episodes, but I I think it's time for a uh, for this right here. This is one. Out of five Luthers. One
0: Luther. We have our very first one, it's one a, Luther it's beer. A single
1: Luther. Um, <laughs> mistakes were made, and they won't be made again. This is just not good. I'm going to finish it, because I don't have a way to pour it out up here in my office. But
0: hey, look at the bright side. I only At have, least you only have one more.
1: <laughs> I only have, yeah, beer drop, you only get two of each. Um, but this is a... Substantial disappointment.
0: I'm I'm actually very sad for your mug that it's having to hold that beer right now. I'm sorry, my B&B poor b mug.
1: <laughs> poor guys. And poor yeah, guys. I mean, it's just it's real thin, very like almost no flavor. Oh um, dang! Like it's it's like it's like Budweiser that had been iced and then and then the ice melted.
0: Oh yeah, if mm. I mean if you were to ice beer, I don't know if anyone has ever or should ever. Oh yeah, they make they make pitchers that have ice in them, ice in the middle. And uh, I used to, uh, yeah, they because it keeps the beer in the pitcher cold, so you can not waste it.
1: But doesn't also water it down?
0: No, it's like so. It's like the middle of the pitcher is a cylinder that you oh, fill up like, with ice. Oh,
1: okay, I gotcha.
0: And the beer goes all around it, and it just keeps the it keeps the center of it colder. So the beer stays colder for longer. It's actually a really good idea.
1: It's a great idea, but this is like someone put ice cubes in a glass with beer. <laughs> and, and let then, it melt? And then let it sit outside <laughs> and then bottled that. It's just not good. Oh, and
0: Rocky Mountain o-
1: Outlaw, don't come after me, but I'm just not a fan of this one. It's it's light beer. And I, I mean, I didn't choose it, so mm-hmm. me and beer it dropper me and Beardrop are going to have a conversation about this one. I'll just say mm-hmm. that much. Let me. I'm going to finish this while you're talking so I can crack open okay. my other
0: thing. Okay. So, the raspberry, as you've been talking, and and I've been sitting here sipping on my raspberry, this thing reminds me of the Goat Island, and that's actually why I bought it. Because it was a... It was a they called it the Beeliner. I, I think it's a Burliner Weiss. It, it has the same texture. It has the same flavor. Not the same flavor, but the same... Um, consistency of the Berliner Weiss from Goat Island, and so I really enjoyed that one. This one with the raspberry flavor is is a little bit better than I expected. I'm not a huge fan of raspberries, but in a beer, I'll try anything at least once. And so, so this one, I'm going to come in and I'm going to give this for Luther's because it's it's hitting on it's hitting on all the cylinders. Not quite a five for me. I went back and looked uh, to see what I would give the... Uh, or what I gave the Goat Island. I gave it four Luthers as well. This is basically the same vein. It's just a little different. It's got the raspberry instead of the blood orange. Mm-hmm. But the consistency, the tartness, the all the things that I liked about the blood orange, I also like about this one. And so uh, I'm going to come in and try to be consistent and give it four, four Luthers because this is a good job. Oyster City. Which Oyster City also had the mangrove. Which mm-hmm. I think got five luthers from us, or from me.
1: I must say I didn't have the mangrove.
0: Yeah, but it was good because that was the mango mango flavor you one. Give, it was good. Um, so like oyster a, city.
1: That's the second oyster city you've done.
0: Yeah. But man, good job. This thing is good. It's tasty. I'm I'm uh, probably gonna have another one before the night is up. And uh, uh, Rocky Mountain. Sorry. <laughs> get it together. That was...
1: Have you seen... Um, there's another podcast out there called the Garage Beers Podcast, maybe?
0: No, I haven't seen but them. But
1: they're basically guys that... I mean, and they're not believers, so they... You know, their language is a little rough. But... um I don't know if I can say that. Can I say that? Anyway. <laughs> sure um, you can. But, I mean, they will get beer and we'll just, like bash it if it's bad and so like i i feel really bad about giving that one one loser, um but it's what it deserves
0: hey man if it's what you get it's what you get um you know bad beer is bad beer i don't like um bad beer i'm not a budweiser or bud light fan um you know yingling is is the go-to for the big box stuff for me mm-hmm. Oh, so. if I
1: was if I if it was my choice, Yingling would 100% be my Yeah. Which thanks that's thanks to you. I used to be a budweiser <laughs> guy. But that was also back before like when I was sneaking into a gas station near my house to buy beer cuz I didn't want to get caught by somebody <laughs> or whatever, you know. Back back in the olden days. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, um yeah, so four luthers for the Oyster City Brewings uh raspberry liner. And uh, Rocky Mountain Outlaws, Mile High Light, getting one Luther tonight. And um, tonight, uh, that's our beer review. Um, tonight, we're going to uh, get into Philippians chapter four. We uh, finished up chapter three last week with a pretty deep and um, <laughs> really got really deep real fast last week
0: yeah. uh, discussion. It, it's our longest episode to date. And. You know, we're we sorry ended it about last that. week with a prayer. <laughs> yeah. We did but you know, the it, it was funny because we were talking and I totally just cut Michael off, but we were talking and we were like, Can we cut this into two episodes? Should we cut it? And I started listening to it and editing it down. I was like, No. Um, this this is just one big long episode. So Yeah. So,
1: um, so but tonight, you yeah, after we've finished chapter three, we're gonna move into chapter four and we're actually going to get Uh, to a spot where we can finish Philippians next week so we're gonna wrap up Philippians here in a couple of weeks Um, it's been a good study and we're gonna continue that discussion Uh, tonight we're gonna get into chapter 4 verses 1 through 9 so um, stick with us for a second we're gonna take a short break and uh, we're gonna dive into our discussion in Philippians I'm sorry, I just had to open something that was delicious. Mm. I'm really sorry you had a
0: crappy beer, man. It's okay. I hate that.
1: Because this thing I have, um, I've talked about it before. I don't know if I've ever had one while we recorded, but it's the uh, Cherry Pie Cider from Atlanta Hard Cider Company. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll definitely tag them in this episode because they deserve to be tagged. Yeah, we will. And Outlaw doesn't. Um, but it's a, it's my favorite like sweet cider. Like it, It's the cider which... It's the cider with which I base all other ciders and judge them.
0: It's cider zero. What do they call co- like patient zero? This yes. is cider zero. This yes. is the ground.
1: <laughs> yes. It tastes like the filling of a cherry pie. Like the Oops. liquid of a cherry pie.
0: That's amazing. See, that's what I loved about the grandma's apple pie from Westbrook mm-hmm. was it tasted like apple pie filling to me. Yep. Yeah.
1: Not not just apple pie or the crust or whatever, but like the mm-hmm. filling, the way that they got that flavor. I don't know how they do it. And Outlaw needs to figure it out. Okay, so. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm just disappointed. Michael's going to be spicy tonight because he had a bad beer. I'm so disappointed. That's like, that's the most be disappointing beer experience I've had on the podcast, including
0: Kalik. That's terrible.
1: Isn't it? I feel awful That's saying terrible. that with my mouth.
0: <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, we're trying to be Christian. You know what though? We're going to encourage believers tonight. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. So,
1: encouragement number one: don't buy outlaw mile highlight. Mile highlight. So, like I said before the break, we're going to uh, get into Philippians chapter four, and um, we're going to read verses one through nine. So, if you have, if you have your copy of God's Word. Um, Let's turn there and uh, join me in verse one. We're going to read through verse nine. I'm reading the Holman from the Holman Christian Standard, and here's what the Word of God says. Uh, so then, my brothers, you are dearly loved and longed for, my joy and crown. In this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Eodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. That's a guess. How close was? <laughs> how close was I? That was pretty close. Okay. Uh I you, Eodia. <laughs> and I urge Syntiki to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you.
0: I love Philippians 4.
1: A lot of people love Philippians 4, and for good reason. I mean, the every bit of that, even the part where I butchered the two ladies' names at the beginning— um, <laughs> I mean just so much of that truth I mean verse 4 Rejoice in the Lord always mm-hmm. And then he says "And then he, <clears> he <throat> says, I will say
0: it again rejoice Rejoice um, Do you remember that song as a kid I don't know if y'all sang it The rejoice in the Lord always And again I say rejoice Did y'all ever do that? No. VBS? <sighs> no Every VBS SBC kid just like Yep I know what's up
1: you forget that I didn't start going to VBS until I was like 19 when I had to work them.
0: That's, yeah, forget about that.
1: So, little different experience with VBS. It's true. The VBSs true. I worked with were more uh, people trying to write CCM VBS
0: songs. <laughs> You're not wrong. VBS as a kid is awesome. VBS kids as a worker or uh, behind the scenes is terrible. So,. Can confirm.
1: So anyway, but we're not here
0: to talk about VBS tonight. We're going to talk about something else. That could be <clears throat> our, that could be in our
1: <laughs> in our little break that we're going to have.
0: That's right. Anyway, so Paul here, um, he's diving into chapter four, and you know, I'm going to say it because it's there. He uses the word therefore, and so we're tying this to the the conclusion of chapter three. Um, he is. He's leaving us at the end of chapter three. We talked about striving for the goal, um, having examples, and and part of that, <clears throat> part of striving for that goal and having examples is being unified in mind with your fellow believers who are in your church. Yeah. And, and so Paul takes on this pastoral role in these verses, and, you know— I think this is interesting here because the Philippian church is a great church and the Philippian church is an example and a model for what churches today could be. Yeah. But even the Philippian church had issues. Yeah, spoiler alert, we all have issues. <laughs> Get out of here with your craziness and your what? normalness. Like,
1: <laughs> and I think that's something, it's not necessarily like this big like mind-blowing thing. It's like, yes, I'll admit we have issues, but like Admitting to other people around you that you have issues, or admitting to your church that you have issues, or that you, mm-hmm. you know, a pastor admitting that he failed in a leadership opportunity, or or in something like that, like, those kind of issues are difficult to admit, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of people just don't want to admit when they've failed or messed up, or that they're broken. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's, and, and I mean, honestly, I think we see this a lot in, in pastors. They, they believe that they have a certain expectation to portray to their congregants. Yeah. You know, they have to be X level of spiritual or they have to be, you know, seen doing these certain activities and they can't be seen doing these activities. And, um, and so you know, I think pastors get themselves into places a lot of times where number one I don't think the majority of church people would be like i don't i don't care, you know what mm-hmm. I'll throw it out there let's let's take alcohol, for example. how many church congregations would care if their pastor had a beer with them? I would contend that the majority of them would not care
1: I would contend that the majority of them would probably be more willing to Listen to what the pastor has to say. Mm-hmm. In that scenario, yeah. Then if the then if the opposite were true, if it was a
0: don't you don't you touch it. Yeah, exactly. Which we, because I mean, if you're a pastor and you're up here saying don't drink alcohol, then you obviously can't turn around and drink alcohol. You know, it's it was it was Perry Noble, I think. Uh, that that really, I mean, and uh, honestly, I didn't. I didn't disagree with Perry Noble's stance. He actually from his pulpit he taught people he said, you know, there's nothing sinful about consuming alcohol. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it. It's not inherently bad. And and he told us people he's like if you see another church member drinking alcohol in public, don't shame them, don't con- don't chide them, don't, you know, they're fine. Assume the best that they're not getting drunk. He said, you know, and he made a clear distinction the same one that we make drunkenness is bad drunkenness yep. is sinful drinking an alcoholic beverage is not yeah and so and he and so he taught that from his pulpit but he said for me for Perry noble I choose not to drink alcohol that's yep. a personal choice that I mm-hmm. make and then later it was found out that he did drink alcohol so I mean that's the I mean that's the thing is like pastors you feel like you have to put on this thing like you know no I'm not gonna do it mm-hmm when, when the reality is, if he just said, there's nothing wrong with it, if you're out in public and you see me having a beer, don't think anything of it. If you yeah. see one of our staff members having a beer, don't think don't think anything of it. If you see our staff member drunk, then we have a problem.
1: Yeah, something, something you just said was something that over the last year I've been trying to do better of, and that's assume the best of people. Mm-hmm. If, if you see somebody who is doing something that you don't necessarily agree with, like drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. If you know they're a believer and you know they they profess to follow Jesus and you know that they serve in your church or are on staff at a church or whatever, and you see them having a beer or having a glass of wine at dinner, the safe assumption to make is that this person is going to know how far is too far and stop before they get there. That's right. And if we, so I feel like so many conflicts could be a hundred percent avoided if we assume the best of people. Mm-hmm. Instead of assuming the worst of people, which is, oh, they're they're drinking. They obviously don't know Jesus yeah. or they're lying or they're uh, deceitful or whatever, you know, whatever mm-hmm. adjective you want to put in there. How How about instead of assuming something about a person based on one piece of information, we assume the best yeah. about that person based on all the other information we have about that person?
0: Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I think it's interesting that we always want people to um, apply the golden rule to us, but we never want to apply the golden rule to them. Mm, yeah. um, you know, the golden rule is treat others the way you want to be treated. And so, if you want people to assume and think things about you, well, then think, assume, and think things about people because that's exactly what's going to, you know, what people are going to do to you. But if you want people to be gracious towards you, and you want them to see. What you do in a positive light, or mm-hmm. or assume the best in you, then guess what? You should assume the best in them. Yeah, yeah. And, and if it, the facts of the case are different, then it's then we're having a different conversation. But yeah. you know, having a beer at a restaurant is not drunkenness. Yeah.
1: And I think assuming the best of assuming the best of others is a is a mark of a mature believer. Oh yeah, it, which is which is something that Paul has been pounding home here for the last three chapters is, yeah <laughs> is you know this is how you are a mature believer here are some examples for you to follow um yeah. and then in, even in verse in chapter four he's going to continue to paint this picture of how we're going to be yeah. mature believers and how to
0: imitate these other believers spoiler um, alert it's at the end <laughs> we're going to talk about thinking on good things yeah so <laughs> um so let's get into it so
1: uh We've talked about Paul's shift to a pastoral role. Um mm-hmm. so let let's look through at the at the bulk of the text, right? Verses two through nine. Um you you've already kind of hinted at it. Be like minded with other believers is really mm-hmm. kind of Paul's point here. Um He starts verse two by directly calling out two women in the church whose names I totally nailed perfectly
0: without <laughs> yes, any you did. without any doubt or hesitation. It was amazing. Uh it was
1: awful. Um <laughs> But, and I'm not going to repeat them because I don't know how, but it, but it's not like a calling out as we would think of like in a 21st century context. It's not like a, mm-hmm. you know, this person did this, 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 and this, um, you know, that's not what's going on here. Paul's more like saying, Mm-mm. here are these two ladies who, well, sh- shoot, let's let's look at it. I urge you to agree in the Lord, and then I also ask you, true partner, to help them who have contended for the gospel at my side. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul's not going into the dirty details, which is a
0: pattern of Paul's. Yeah. He's trusting. Paul that, is not Twitter blasting them.
1: No. And he's trusting that the church at Philippi knows exactly what he's talking about when he says, I urge these yeah. two to. It's, he's basically saying, I urge these two to reconcile. And yeah. um, it's really more like a look behind the curtain of a family conversation And Paul's saying, Hey, church at Philippi, hold these two ladies accountable. I'm urging, I'm going to call, I'm going to name them in this letter. But I'm also gonna call you out as the church to say, y'all need to y'all have a part in this too. Yeah. Y'all have a part in the reconciliation
0: process too. Yeah. And if you if you remember Matthew 18 in this in this context, I mean I I, I think Paul is perfectly following what the gospel of Matthew teaches, which is yeah, everything is handled in house and and so you know. If you talk about Matthew 18, then, you know, one person, if if you've been wronged by a brother, then you go to that brother and you say, hey, man, I believe you have wronged me, and here's why. Blah, 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 blah. And if the if the guy says, sure, I wronged you, but too bad for you, then you get two or three witnesses. You go and you say, hey, brother, I believe you wronged me. I'm calling you to repentance. The whole point of Matthew 18 is the desire to see reconciliation and repentance and yeah. restore unity into the church. That's exactly what Paul is doing In these verses, he's saying, hey, you two gals, you know what you did. The church knows what you did. There's no reason for me to put it in this letter. Yeah. And and you know what you did. You guys need to figure it out. And, and, you know, the funny thing is he does it without saying that they're terrible people or Mm -hmm. calling them names or trying to land blast them or dig up something else that they said that we can say, you know, 10 years after the fact, look at what a terrible person this is. No, he just said, hey. Solve this problem. Yeah. Be united. You are brother or you are sisters in Christ, yeah. and that's the most important thing. Solve the problem and move on. What's Keep working for the gospel. What I think is interesting, looking at the Matthew eighteen,
1: I mean that's Jesus talking. One, yeah. But then also too, like it's a process. The 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 you know it's it's there's steps along the process. If mm-hmm. you, you know if your brother wrongs you. Here's the first thing you do. And if he doesn't yeah. if he doesn't make a change, then here's the next thing you do. If he doesn't make a change, here's the next thing you do. And, and I feel like so many times, especially in an area where we feel like we've been wrong, we immediately jump to the final step. Mm-hmm. We immediately jump to the point where it's like, you know what? I need to take this as high as I can go to make to get to get my to get my way. Instead yeah. of directly confronting the person mm-hmm. and you know, as I talk about it. I know and there's been times in my life when I have not done this adequately or the proper right. way um i don't even i like i don't even know like how how to how to process that you know things that have happened where i've i've not followed the steps of reconciliation properly mm-hmm. you know what do how how do i handle that how do I handle those situations where i like especially if it's not like recent <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, I think the goal is to learn from the, the mistakes of your past. Just just because you didn't handle something right previously, I've not handled everything right. And, you know, I look back at a situation and I go, you know, I probably could have done this differently. I probably could have been a little more scriptural if I would have taken this approach instead. Yeah. And and so, you know, if you've messed it up in the past, okay, that's great. Learn from it. Move on to the next one. And, and when you prepare yourself for when the next time it happens because here's the thing as long as we live in a broken and sinful world we're going to have these issues we're yeah. going to continue to have them they're not going to go away yeah and so the best thing that we can do is as believers is learn from the mistakes of our past God gives us those mistakes and he allows us mistakes to happen to teach us something yeah. whether it's good or whether it's bad it's to teach us something that's yeah. the point of providence mm. and and so if we believe in the providence of God and we say you know what I did. I did handle that wrong. I made a mistake. God allowed me to make that mistake. He let it go through, and 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 now I'm going to learn from it because now I know the better way to respond in a more biblical pattern. Yeah. I know how to. Here we go. Sanctify. I'm I'm learning the sanctification process. (laughs) I'm becoming more and more like God wants me to become. Yeah. And so, Mm. you know, uh, I think it's interesting though that a lot of times what you talked about. I didn't handle this the right way. A lot of times we get in that situation because we don't want to like meddle in other people's business. Yeah. We don't want to be seen as the, as the person who's interfering and, and you know, Paul knew these people needed help. He knew the church knew they needed help. And so the the thing I would say is, is if you come at it with the right attitude and the right um, perspective, then I don't think it's meddling. And you can say, Hey, I see this and I and I'm if I'm wrong then correct me. Yeah. But here's what I see. Yeah. And and then you can tell them and and you know, if you're wrong, then somebody's going to look at you hopefully somebody's going to look at you and go, "Yeah, man, you don't have all the information. You're not looking at that from this different from this other perspective. Take this into consideration and see if that changes your mind." Yeah. Um, you know, because that's the whole point is no matter what Even if you're wrong in the in what you're saying because you don't have all the information, you can still learn and you can still grow because you're approaching it in the right humble attitude that you should be, which is what we've been talking about for the last three to four weeks. Right. Is keeping that humble attitude that says be bold, be honest, but also be humble. Mm -hmm. At the same time, say, you know, I don't have this figured out, I don't have all the answers and that's okay, but yeah. here's what I see. Help yeah. me understand. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so we see Paul um, basically encouraging these two women to work it out on their own, but he also immediately mm-hmm. turns to the entire Church of Philippi for help. He says, "Yeah, look, if they don't handle it themselves, if, or if they can't get it worked out, y'all need to step in, and you have a part to play in this too. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really know, and, and again, this is, it's interesting that Paul names these two ladies without going into the details, and it's not. But it's not the first time he's done something like this. Mm-hmm. You know, he does. We don't really know uh,
0: what was the other thing we didn't know. Uh, if you wouldn't ask me, I, I could have told you. I know. I've forgotten now. <laughs>
1: there is something else that we've talked about in Philippians, where like Paul names somebody, but we don't know. Shoot, I don't well,
0: remember. Th- I mean, there was the intro where where it was i mean it was basically like he kept he kept hinting at the hey all you guys all y'all in the back
1: yeah kind of thing there was something else i feel like there was
0: something else uh i don't remember him naming anybody by name this is the first no. time i think he's named somebody by name in maybe the book. I'm,
1: maybe i'm remembering a different th- something i don't know but i mean paul has named these two ladies by name and doesn't go into the details of their Disagreement, or Mm -hmm. you know, Mean Girls moment, wherever they're having. Um, But we know that Paul is encouraging them with this graciousness, with this. Yeah, he he's saying, you know, you guys need to work this out among yourselves, which is usually the best solution in any conflict. Yeah, but he's also not afraid to say, "Hey, Church of Philippi." If they can't settle it or if they have a problem settling it, y'all need to step in and help them too. Yeah. Um, And, and you know, you're talking about meddling just now. You know, something that's – I think this is really key here is don't let your fear of meddling keep you from seeking, seeking to help people reconcile. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, it may feel like meddling. It may even be interpreted as meddling. Mm -hmm. but you have no idea what that meddling may end up doing as far as helping people to reconcile their relationship.
0: That's right. And if your goal is reconciliation, then at the end of the day, you're, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to be able to display that if that is your Mm -hmm. goal. Now, if your goal is to stir up trouble, we're, we're talking about something completely different. We're not talking about what we're doing here in Philippians. Right. And so, but... You know, at the same time, I also would say, don't say, "Oh, I'm not trying to meddle, but and then start, you know, getting into the into the details that you don't need to be involved in. Right. And so I, th- I think it's a fine line. And I think there are three questions that that believers and these are drawn from the commentary. I think there's three questions that we can ask ourselves that help us get to the point where we can say, am I taking the correct approach to this conflict? Um the first one is is uh do you see yourself as a threat? Are you are you taking the right perspective? Are you taking the right attitude into this the, in, into what you're doing? You're about to confront somebody. Is this a confrontation that is I don't like this person, I don't like what they're doing, they look at me funny in church and I don't like it. They sat in my seat one time and I didn't like it. You know, is that your attitude or is it man, I love this person? and i see this thing and and i don't think it is exactly right i i don't see that lining up to scripture and so mm-hmm. i need to talk to them with the with the attitude of reconciliation which one are you taking into that conversation yeah so mm-hmm. the the second question tell us what the second question is yeah
1: the second question is we ask for help when you have a conflict so it's not just about being willing to point out the issues other people have, but like when you mm-hmm. have a conflict with somebody, are you willing to ask for help in re- in the reconciliation process? And I think, yeah, you know, we've talked about it already, but that's another mark of a mature believer is saying, "I, I'm not able to reconcile this on my own. Mm-hmm. I need some assistance. And would you be willing to help me with that? Like I feel like that's a very – very mature thing for somebody to say and it's very humble for them to be willing to say i don't have all the answers i don't have the ability even to you know make this right mm-hmm. i need help um, or i need some you know if you can help me understand what's going on like whatever it is um, yeah but but we do have to be willing to ask for help when we have conflict because we're we're inevitably going to have conflict. It's part of the yeah. human experience, right? Um, but it's what you do with that conflict. Do you let it boil inside of you, and until you until you bubble over and explode at somebody, or do you approach somebody <laughs> and say, "You know, I feel wronged by you because of this. Help me understand what you know. If I'm misunderstanding exactly. what happened, help me understand so that I so that I'm either no longer upset with you or no longer frustrated." or so that we can work toward having a better
0: understanding of each other. That's right. And if you're doing that, if you're willing to ask for help in a conflict, then you get to the third question, which is, are you prepared to give help? Yeah. If somebody asks for your help, are you prepared to give that help? Yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. so that's three questions that we can use to kind of gauge the situation and and understand better how we can respond as Christians. Yeah. And. You know, sometimes the best thing that we can do as believers and as Christians to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ is to have those awkward conversations. Yes, we're not saying that these conversations are going to be easy and we're not saying they're going to be fun, but they still need to be had. Yeah. And and we have to be prepared to give these or to have these awkward conversations because they will strengthen both of us Yeah, at the end of the day. They will. Yeah.
1: I think I think the fear of awkward conversations drives us drives a lot of people away from addressing conflict mm-hmm. because yeah. you, you start getting into the point where, especially in 2022 now, everything is so personal. Yeah. Like if you disagree <laughs> with somebody about anything, it's because you don't like them or because you're yeah. X, Y, and Z, you know, fill in the blank, whatever you want yeah. to say there. Um, But nine times out of 10, it's really just because, you know, I'm approaching you because of this specific event that happened. Yeah. And, help me understand what happened there help me understand why you know why it was that way um, but but it's still an awkward conversation because mm-hmm. I mean whenever someone gets called out or you know we say Paul was calling out these two ladies but whenever someone gets called out our immediate de- our immediate reaction is to put up our defenses and get defensive and say no that's not what happened that you, yeah. you you have no you don't understand what really happened. Here's what really happened. Yeah. And, you know, right or wrong um I mean, people's perspec people's having different perspectives of an event or, or something like that. Um
0: I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that thought. I'm sorry. Well, I no, it's, I I think I think this is where you're going with that. At the end of the day, we think our perspective is the only perspective that matters. And when we have that view of our perspective, we're taking a very petty view of the world. Mm-hmm. And and it's that type of petty differences that get in the way of gospel. Yeah. You know, we we say things like, well... I just I can't serve with Betty on the praise team because Betty said this about her cousin's brother's uncle's dog's friend's sister's neighbor's cousin that they were ugly and I just can't serve with somebody like that. And, you know, yes, that's a ridiculous statement. You know, what I just made up was ridiculous, but that that serves the point. Ten and a half times out of ten, what you're upset over doesn't matter and you're letting something upset you and getting the way of gospel mission when it shouldn't. Yeah. So, you know, if we all thought a little bit less of ourselves and thought a little bit more of others, kind of like Philippians 2 taught us to do earlier, Mm -hmm. I think our perspectives would change on a lot of this stuff. Or even
1: like we were talking about earlier tonight, just assume the best of others. That's right. Like, comment made in, in jest shouldn't be used as ammunition against somebody because mm. you disagree with what they said or exactly you missed the context like a lot I mean context matters for like all throughout scripture all throughout 119 yeah. episodes <laughs> we've talked about context mattering you know yep. context matters in conversation and so if you you know catch one one part of a conversation and you missed the mo- the more important parts that set up that that comment, yeah. You can't be you can't hold the person accountable for the one thing you heard out of an entire conversation of uh of discussion. So that's right. All right, so we've talked about being like minded with other believers. Um, yeah, I feel like we we've discussed that pretty pretty thoroughly here. Yeah. Um. So let's move into what really is the main message of Philippians, and that and Paul gets to it here in chapter four. It's rejoice in the Lord. Um, hmm. Yeah, you know, the full the message of Philippians has been to maintain a joyful heart. I mean, Paul is writing this book in prison, and and he's still you know there's joy written all throughout the letter. Um, yeah, and he, he it's interesting he th- he thought so highly of the command. Uh, he he says in verse four, rejoice in the Lord always, and then he repeats himself. He says again, I say rejoice, yeah. um, and, and you know. Joys, our joy is found in Jesus. Our joy is not found in our circumstances. Our joy is not found in what's going on around us. Our joy is not found in the conflicts that we're facing. The joy is not found, mm-hmm. in you know, the good or the bad. There's not necessarily you know bad things that determine our you know oh I'm down or whatever. Like good things, you know, if you find yourself really happy about the things going on in your life, that's the, that's the same problem just in the other direction yeah um, but the foundation of our contentment is <clears throat> Jesus mm-hmm. not in our circumstances
0: yes if we if we are not content in the person and work of Jesus, then we will never be content in whatever it is that's going around us and and mm-hmm. you know um I think I may have mentioned this song before, but i always anytime I talk about contentment or I, t- I talk about this this topic, I always think about the song from John Mayer Belief. No, no, no! I'm sorry, not believe something's missing. And in the lyrics of that song, you know, he basically says, "I've got everything." You know, friends check, romance check, um, you know, money check. I've got everything that I can check off of a list that tells me that I'm successful in the world. Yeah, and even in all in the midst of all of that, something is missing. Is is the point of the song, and yeah. so if your contentment is in anything other than Christ, then your contentment is always going to be lacking, and you're always going to be looking to fill it up with something else. Yeah, which is what leads us to the attitudes that we were just talking about, you know, previously. So, yeah, when we have joy, though, we're going to have this attitude, and and he says it. He follows it up right in verse five after he says, "Rejoice in the Lord." Always again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Mm. And this word for reasonableness here is actually a really interesting word. And different translations translate this verse a lot of different ways. And if you hear it in English, you can actually hear the differences and in, in what they're trying to capture in this word. For reasonableness, I'm just going to go through a couple of these real quick. The, you read the HCSB and it says, Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. The ESV says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The New Living Translation says, Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Uh, the NASB says, Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. And uh, the NIV says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And so while that that may sound very, very similar, there's a lot of different words that they're using to capture this idea of reasonableness or graciousness. Or um, one of the commentaries that I was reading actually said the word should really be translated magnanimous. I love that word. I think it's fun. Um, Because magnanimous is this word that is it can live in both uh, in in almost in two different realms it's like um this was a quote that i read it said the quality is such an important one that the apostle demands that it become evident among the philippian christians to such a degree that it will be seen and recognized by everybody but just by their fellow or or it'll be seen and recognized er, by everybody not just by their fellow believers. Mm-hmm. And so he he's telling them to live out their reasonableness, their magnanimity. Yeah. There's a there's a fun word for you. Um live out their magnanimity so that everyone around them, okay? That includes unbelievers. Yeah. And and this is going to fly right in the face of people who love to get out their protest signs and yell and scream at people from the street corner um, and and tell everybody else that, that they're wrong and they're doing it wrong because when you're in that situation, you are directly contradicting what Philippians 4-5 says. Yeah. And when you do that, you're you're not living with a generous spirit. You're not living with a Spirit of magnanimity, yeah. In that magnanimity,
1: <laughs> I feel like all right, uh, all right Nemo. Nemo. I feel like Nemo right there. <laughs> um, but but that you know, it calls for a generous treatment of others. That on one hand demands equity, but mm-hmm. on the other hand doesn't insist on the letter of the law. Yeah, which, which is kind of a. It is a slap in the face to the the street corner street corner standing protesting, mm-hmm. you know, hellfire and brimstone people. Yeah, you know, um, but you know, it's remember it's 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 okay to take a bold stand, but while we make our stand, our attitude must be one of graciousness. And yeah. you know, if you're standing on the corner protesting, and every word you're saying is true, but you don't have love, mm-hmm. we've talked about that several times throughout the last two plus years now. But if you don't have love, then then it doesn't matter what you're saying because you're not saying it yeah. from a from a loving place. You're not saying it with a loving heart. Um, people don't care what you have to say until they know that you care. Um, mm-hmm. And it's hard to show people that you care if you're not gracious, if you're not loving, if you don't have this, if you don't have an attitude that's like, I want to be around that person because they're filled with a joy that I don't know where they're getting it. Yeah. You know, pe- people don't, people don't want to be around negative Nancy's all the time. People don't want to be around, you know, others who are just going to berate them and tell them all the places where they failed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know we've said it before, but love without truth is hypocrisy, and truth without love is brutality. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, you have to marry both. Um, and we're definitely not saying water down your message for the sake of making others feel good, but we're also not saying berate others with your message so that no one feels good.
0: Exactly. If if you're conversation is not scattered with graciousness, then people are not going to want to hear what you have to say. Um yeah. and I always this uh, this conversation, this topic always turns me back to John chapter 13 where where the disciples are given a, a new command is what it is. And and I'm I'm going to skip down to, to verse 34 here in John 13 it says a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you you are also to love one another. Mm. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, I, th- I think this is a parallel to what Paul is is adding to right here. Um, you know, Paul is saying that. Um, where am I at here? Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, because the Lord is at hand. Over here in John, Jesus says the way all people are going to know. That you follow me is by how you love. And I just, I don't understand how people can reconcile yelling, screaming, um, you know, berating people and saying that that is the Christian attitude that that the scripture says that we should have. I You cannot reconcile Philippians 4 and John 13 with that position. Right. Because if you try to, you're contradicting yourself. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is we're trying to display the gospel to a world in need. Yeah. And the way that over and over Scripture tells us to do that is to show them love. Yeah.
1: I feel like people who try to use the berating—I hate using the word word berating, but it's really what it is. But the people who don't use mm-hmm. love when they're sharing the gospel, they— a lot of times, use the instances where Jesus flipped tables and cracked whips in the temple. Yeah, as a as a reason for yeah, you know, as a justification for why they were doing that. Mm-hmm. I think they failed to remember that Jesus was flipping tables and cracking whips in the temple because the religious people were
0: misusing the temple. Yep, he always cracks whips and flips tables at religious people rarely does he do that in fact he it over and over says that he sat and he dines and he reclines with sinners then he so much that he was accused of it yeah i mean he he
1: intentionally met a woman at the well yeah the woman at the well uh story Mm -hmm. he knew her chapter four like he shouldn't have been there he shouldn't have been talking to her like their cultures Mm -hmm. don't clash. their cultures clash all the time and yet he he chose to be there at that moment to have that encounter with her and reveal himself to her reveal himself yeah. as messiah to this woman who culture says he shouldn't have even been ta- looking at right much less talking to right and so if we if we modeled ourselves after if we modeled our graciousness after Jesus's graciousness i feel like our world would look a lot different
0: It definitely would. If only the Christians did that. Right. If only the Christians did that, it would look like a completely different world. But Hmm. we're so, we're so bent up on being right and being the majority and being, you know, proving everybody else wrong. Yeah. That we've lost our graciousness. Yeah. You know, and if we have a gracious spirit, if we have that humble attitude, then we're going to easily do what Paul commands us to do at the end of this these these last three verses 6 through 9 the last four verses yeah. yeah if we are doing if we are living a gracious life and we are living with attitudes of graciousness mm-hmm. then we are going to do what Paul instructs us to do at the in these last four verses which yeah. is to get rid of anxiety um stay focused again this idea of staying focused on the gospel and you know we've all been in situations where we're anxious and being anxious is not necessarily wrong. If you're anxious in the right direction, if you're anxious yeah. for the right things, yeah, yeah. but when you let your anxiety drive you, you end up not living out what Paul commands us to do in, in verses six and seven, which is do not be anxious about anything. You know, Paul, Paul uses this language and I think it's very particular language that he uses, you know, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. He didn't say let your reasonableness, eh, it's okay to just let it shine every now and then. He said let it be known to everyone. Mm -hmm. That's every situation. And he says do not be anxious about anything. That means we have nothing that we should be anxious over that we should worry over to the point where we don't know, we don't put our trust in God. Yeah. Because if we do that, then we're not focusing right.
1: Yeah. That's tough to do. I, oh, man. It, I mean, in the in our flesh, like our flesh doesn't want to not worry. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's a that's a fleshly human trait is that we are the way we the way we work right now anyway. Maybe not the way we were yeah. originally designed, <laughs> but the way we work now with sin is that we are worrying about our kids, or our marriage, or our mm-hmm. job, or our future, <clears throat> or our money, or what we've got going on at home or what's going on elsewhere in the world. Like, mm-hmm. like, in the context of what's happening right now, Philippians 4-6, don't worry about anything. That means don't worry about Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about Russia. Don't worry about gas prices raising. Don't worry about inflation. Don't yep. worry about the over... Um, secularize, secularization, is that a word? Of, yep, sure is. Don't worry about that going on in in your world right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Don't worry about anything. And, and you're totally right. When we let our anxiety drive us, we're not living out this encouragement from Paul. Yeah. Um, now that's not to say that there's not good and bad anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll remember certain things, have a desire to complete them quickly that's good anxiety yeah um anxiety is worrying about things you can't change
0: yeah I, I love the analogy that they gave in the commentary where they talked about alarms you know and and they talk about you know your morning alarm wakes you up and it kind of startles you and you're like oh my gosh i gotta you know yeah. they compared that to to good anxiety it's like a it's it's something that says it's a it's something that's within you that drives you to say, "All right, it's time to get up out of this bed. I've got to get moving. I've got to mm-hmm. do this. I've got to do that." You know, that is a form of anxiety because it's you're you're saying, "All right, I'm going to get this done next. Get this done next." You know, yeah. if you're a if you're like me, you're like, "Check done. Check done. Check." You know, you you want to check all the boxes and get it all done. Yeah. And and so they talk about that being a good form of anxiety. Yeah. But the bad form of anxiety says, "Oh no." I just got to sit here because I don't know what I'm going to do about this situation or I don't know how this situation is going to get resolved or or what decision I should make about this decision. That's, that's that paralyzing anxiety that that Paul is hinting at when he says don't be anxious about anything. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, worrying about those things that you can't change, that you have no control over is useless. Yeah. And it's not going to help you. It's not going to get you anywhere Mm. And and the reality of this is, and, and we just talked about it. This this is actually a form of functional atheism. Yeah, because when you're when you get into that situation where you're paralyzed to the point where you can't do anything, you're saying in in your actions, you're saying, "I don't trust God to get this done. I don't believe God is real enough to solve this problem." And you're living out a form of functional atheism. Yeah,
1: you're. You're claiming that you trust in God and you trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, but that he's not big enough or powerful enough or what, you know, he's not blank enough to handle Mm -hmm. the situation you're dealing with. That's right. Which is a dangerous place to get to. Oh, it is. Because I feel like if you get to that point, you're only a couple of steps away from just renouncing Jesus altogether.
0: Yeah. I mean and, and what you've done at that point is you've turned inward, which we've you know, we've talked about in these deconstruction stories. I, I feel like every one of these deconstruction stories turns inward. This is what I, me, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what anxiety does is it focuses on I and me and not God and his glory. Right. And and it's the act it's the exact opposite of the of what Matthew six teaches us, which is that that God is going to take care of those. You know, he 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 keeps the birds in the air. He keeps the lilies of the field clothed. You know, he uses these analogies and we think that God's not concerned enough to care for us. Yeah. And it's it's instead of worrying about these types of things, we should be focusing on what Paul says here in verses 8 and 9. Things that are praiseworthy and honorable, and he keeps going with this list. Yeah, you know, um, because when we when we turn our mind away from anxiety, that's what we're going to do. And you know, I think I think I've been pretty clear. I, I know you have, and I have I have both been pretty clear about how we feel about the the twenty four hour news cycle and Christians basically being drug into it. But I mean, I I distinctly remember a time. In 2012, when I lived and breathed, watching the news cycles, keeping up with every political movement, and and it drove me to a place in my life where I was miserable about everything. Yeah. And my wife told me, she's like, you're miserable. You need to stop. You need to turn the TV off. Yeah. And I said, you know what? You're exactly right. We canceled the cable. We cut it off. And I was like, we got some movies on our computers. We'll watch those. And... You know, we'll stream a couple of shows on Netflix or whatever, and we'll watch that, and we'll enjoy that. And when I did that, it was probably the single most freeing thing that I've ever done in my life, mm-hmm. other than accepting Christ as my Savior. Yeah. You know, because it, it's like a huge burden. And I was like, you know, there there's a lot of truth. It's it's kind of ironic truth, but there's a lot of truth in the statement that ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, in the last probably... <laughs>
1: Well, really, the last couple of years since COVID really started, like, which are coming up on two years now. Mm -hmm. um, Anything news related? Like, I don't know the. I don't remember the last time I watched on purpose, like a news report about Mm -hmm. anything. Now, when you see like funny clips come across, or you see you know headlines from. I, you see headlines all the time because headlines are posted everywhere, but I don't remember the mm-hmm. last time I sat down with the intent to watch a news broadcast. Yeah. Cause I'm just, I'm kind of over the, I got over the bent. I got over the, you know, everyone's got their own agenda. Everyone's got their mm-hmm. own, um, like how, you know, what they're wanting to say and how they want to portray it. Like, just give me the facts and and let me figure yeah. out what I want what I want to figure out um, you know the old saying goes garbage in garbage out oh yeah <laughs> uh, like if, if we if we as believers fill our minds with the political landscape or the you know the the conflicts that are go- that are going on in our own country and we don't focus on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Then ultimately what's gonna come out of our mouths and what what we're gonna talk about the most is the political conflicts and the stuff that's going yep. on that's dividing us. So we're not gonna talk about Jesus. If we're not if we're not soaking in his word, if we're not spending time mm-hmm. worshiping him and praying praying and, and talking to God about stuff, then we're not gonna talk about that stuff because you don't talk about what you're not familiar with.
0: That's right. And that's exactly how Paul closes this verse in verse nine, he says, practice these things. You know, yeah. he talks about focusing on praiseworthy things, honorable things, trustworthy things. And then he tells them, he says, practice these." And, and you know, I grew up as a, uh, a piano student, a musician. And so my parents would always say to me, practice makes perfect. Yeah. And, and, and I understand that's a, that's a slightly bad analogy because we can't ever be perfect, mm-hmm. but the the principle remains the same. The more we practice this stuff, the better we're gonna get at it. And oh, the better sure. we get at it, the better we're going to be as believers.
1: Yeah. And if we're and if we're filling our hearts and our minds with with the things of Jesus, then that'll inevitably overflow out of us and the world around us will see Jesus in us and through us. By the yes. words we say, by the by our actions. And ultimately that's that's our goal is to show share the gospel with the people around us mm-hmm. um either by
0: our, with our words or by our action that's right that is that is exactly it and amen perfect awesome will you pray for us absolutely i would love to
1: <laughs> do it all right um father god thank you so much for this time together tonight um to discuss um Philippians chapter 4 and to um, spend time just hashing out this discussion Um, thank you for um, just the growth that you're allowing Anthony and I and all of our listeners to to experience as we uh, discuss these things God and I pray that as we go through the next few days in the coming week um, you you help us with with a few with a few of the things that we've talked about tonight you help us to be like minded um, with our Mm -hmm. fellow brothers and sisters you help us to um reconcile in areas that we need to reconcile god and, and just help us to 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 be similarly focused and and have the same goal which is to share the gospel of jesus um god we pray that you help us to find our joy in jesus that our joys help us realize that our joy is not found in our circumstances our joy is not found in the things that are happening to us or around us or um even necessarily because of us but god that our joy is found solely in in the work, in the person of Jesus, and and forgive us for when we put our joy in, in things that will ultimately fade away, God, uh, and help us to um, just put our joy in you and who you are. Um, God, give us a attitude of graciousness as we interact with um, everyone that we come in contact with, whether it's somebody in the drive-thru or a cashier or a teacher that at our kid's school or Um, someone we encounter in church God just help us to be gracious toward that person help us to be um, just pleasant and show them love and and even if it's a simple way God help us to do that so that they may know that there's something different about us and help allow that to lead to conversations about what's different about that what's different about us so that we could have an opportunity to share the gospel um and God help us just to um, cast all of our anxieties on You, to cast all of our anxieties off of us. God help us to um, not be anxious for anything, um, but to but to pray and to, and to just trust You and trust You for for all of our needs, and ultimately to find our joy and our and our hope in Who You are, Jesus. Um, we love You. We thank You for this time together tonight. We pray that you have been honored and glorified in our discussion, and we pray that you are honored and
0: glorified in everything that we do. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, if they want to get a hold of us on uh, places of uh, the connection of social media, where would they do that? That's a weird way to put it. But...
1: um, (laughs) If you want to find the Beers and Bible Podcast on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching uh, Beers and Bible Podcast. You can email us, Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, Beers and Bible pick up some BB merch.
0: Merch! Well, Shout out to my man, C. Hardwick 51, Chuck, on the Oyster City. Raspberry, it was good. I'm sorry Michael's was terrible. I'm not going to shout out the brewery that I had (laughs) tonight. Shout out to Atlanta
1: Hard Cider Company for salvaging a decent drink tonight.
0: (laughs) There you go. So until next week, we hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open, and we will see you later. Peace out.